Can you dig it, bookworms? How's it going? Welcome to another episode of In Between the Pages. Uh, for those of you that are listening for the first time, this is just kind of a mini episode per se. You know, we spend, it takes about a good month to kind of read a whole novel and then break it down and figure out what we're going to talk about and then set a recording date and all this other technical stuff. So this is just kind of like a little in between the pages kind of thing, hence the name. Uh, this is just where we kind of visit some things that uh, we discussed in the last episode. Uh, or hit some things that we didn't discuss at all, and also kind of bridge us over getting ready for the next book that we are going to read. Uh, so strap in. It's a quick episode. It's not like last episode where that was two hours long. I That was insane. I, I couldn't believe we lasted that long, but there's just literally so much to talk about uh, with the catcher in the rye. So let's, I guess we're getting right into it. This is pretty much uh, one of the, it seemed just so, I don't want to say insignificant, but it, it <laughs> It was one of those things where I, going into it, I was reading it um, and just like, okay, we're going to have to find some things to talk about. But it was funny because once we, the three of us sat down and started discussing it, it just opened up just a floodgate of like, okay, we could talk about this or this. And this was also interesting. And this was really cool. It was just really crazy how, how something that uh, I've, you know, at first when I was reading it, I was like, eh, um, and then it blew up into this whole thing. Uh, but one thing I do want to touch about too, before we go any further, we said it before, it wasn't really clear and loud. So let me take the time to say this again. Uh, Lauren mentioned that it is important to check your mental health. Uh, and we, we couldn't agree, uh, more that's, that's an important statement, especially this day and age. Uh, I know there's a lot of talk of like, oh, well, you know, people weren't depressed back then or didn't have this many mental issues back then, yada, yada, yada. Well, the truth is no one really talked about it. You know, it was very taboo to talk about how you're feeling on the inside. Everybody wanted the, you know, stiff upper lip or the suck it up or there's people uh, who have bigger problems than you. So no one really wanted to address these things. But now it's in this day and age, it's becoming, which is great. We're breaking that stereotype of not being able to talk about these things. Uh, so if you are feeling in any way uh, depressed or have anxiety or uh, just not feeling all great upstairs, talk to someone. Get it checked out, man. Um, talk to a friend, talk to a trusted family member, and if it's available to you, talk to a professional. Uh, please, please, please. There is a beautiful website called healthyplace.com I found. Uh, if you look up uh, in the other info tab, it has it lists literally all the hotlines that you can call if you do uh, want information on certain things, uh, or if you do need, God forbid, some sort of um, just kind of prevention that can someone can talk you through certain things that you're feeling. Um, there's the suicide prevention hotline on here. Uh, there's the uh, gay and lesbian uh, helpline uh, if you have questions on that. If you're struggling with that, they have the domestic violence hotline. Um, all sorts of different hotlines to, to call. So please, if you're feeling any sort of way, you're going through something, please look that website up and call. You're not alone. You are a thinking, breathing human being, and that is amazing. Be all comprehension. Never forget that. That being said, uh, let's get in to the book. Now, um, you know, Catching the Rye has had some huge uh, pop culture significance, obviously. Uh, when this was published, like in the late 40s, early 50s, this was a book that was just not seen before. No one was used to uh, a young kid hearing little and reading about a young kid who openly cusses, who drinks, who picks up prostitutes, has a night has a night out on the town. You know that was very unheard of, very um, different. So it caused a huge mess of uh, controversy and just different opinions about the book altogether. 
Now, uh, Bray also did touch in the last one about how a bunch of serial killers used the book. It wasn't just mostly serial killers. It was uh, murderers. A lot of murderers uh, did it because usually, you know, Holden's view, especially with the catch in the rye, it's, it's kind of... Uh, an, an, authorita- an authoritarian kind of complex where, you know, in the Catch in the Right, he didn't want those kids losing their innocence in a way, falling out of the cornfield. So he was purposely choosing not to let, you know what I mean? He was, he was in control. He was controlling their uh, growing up. He was controlling their innocence. Um, so technically, ironically, that's not really an innocent way to think, you know. And so anyways, a lot of serial killers, they do think that way. They think they're the different ones. They think they are the ones that can change society. They're there. They think that uh, society isn't playing by the rules they're supposed to, and it's up to them to uh, change it by force. Now, uh, the most famous one that did use uh, Catching the Rye kind of as not so much a manifesto, but something that he felt uh, embodied him was uh, the guy who killed John Lennon, which is Mark David Chapman. This is actually, it was actually very funny. I, I mentioned the last episode, the last podcast on the left, they did a two-parter on this guy uh, right when we were do, recording this. So it's really cool. If you have the time, check that out. They're funny guys. They do all bunch of, a whole bunch of true crime topics and what have you. So look into that if you're into it. Um, but basically, yeah, he, he, Mark David Chapman would call himself uh, Holden Caulfield. He called himself Holden. Inside of his own uh, personal copy of The Catch in the Rye, he literally addressed it to Holden Caulfield from Holden Caulfield. He, he really firmly believed in this book, and John Lennon to him was a phony because, you know, John Lennon talked about peace and love pretty much, you know, we've all heard the song Imagine, that was kind of John Lennon's thing. Um, but then at the same time, he would do these publicity stunts, he would buy these very lavish things, he would stay in these really grand places um, and not really practice what he preached in... Uh, in Mark David Chapman's eyes, so he considered him a phony and decided he must die, uh, which is a very terrible thing to think, obviously. He, he he equated John Lennon actually to Maurice, the pimp in The Catch in the Rye, uh, the one that sh- hit Holden in the gut, and Holden was like, I'm going to kill him, but I can never kill him because I'm a pacifist, so Mark David took it upon himself to change that part of the of the book. And his idea was after he shot John Lennon, he was going to curl up in a ball on the floor and disappear into the pages of the book. Needless to say, he uh, he wasn't in the right place, in the right headspace. Uh, another one that also used catch, that read Catch in the Rye and decided he was going to uh, kill someone was the guy that shot Reagan, which was uh, John William Hinckley Jr. Uh, in response to John Lennon's killing, he uh, Hinckley also read Catch in the Rye, got inspired to kill Len- uh, I'm sorry, got inspired to kill Reagan as a result, but uh, he failed. Thankfully, it, it's 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 always great when someone fails at murdering something. Uh, aside, now, aside from the macabre, uh, we're going into the other ways that influence kind of pop culture. Uh, it actually normalized the words "screw up" and "moron." Believe it or not, I guess those just weren't very popular slang terms uh, back in the day. So that kind of brought it in uh, more into the society. One thing I want to talk about, which is very interesting, Salinger refused to have this book fil- as a film. He refused it. it. It was one of his things. He actually wrote a letter uh, in 1987. I'm going to read it to you guys. Um, I might skip on some words because uh, it's it, it's used as a typewriter. The he wrote, used a typewriter to write this, and some of the words are a little scratched out. So excuse me. Uh, let's see if we can do this. <clears throat> Dear Mr. Herbert, I'll try to tell you what my attitude is to the stage and screen rights of The Catcher in the Rye. I've sung this tune quite a few times, so if my heart doesn't seem to be in it, try to be tolerant. Firstly, it is possible that one day the rights will be sold. Since there is an overlooming possibility that I might not die rich, I toy very seriously with the idea of leaving the unsold rights to my wife and daughter as kind of an insurance policy. It pleasures me no end, though, I might quickly add, 
to know that I won't have to see the results of the transaction. I keep saying this, and nobody seems to agree, but The Catch in the Rye is a very novelistic novel. There are ready-made scenes, only a fool will deny that, but for me, the weight of the book is in the narrator's voice, the non-stop peculiarities of it, his personal, his personal extremely discriminating attitude to this reader-listener, his asides about gasling rainbows and street puddles, his philosophy or way of looking at cowhide suitcases and empty toothpaste cartons, in a word, his thoughts. He can't legitimately be separated from his own first-person technique. True, if the separation is forcibly made, there is enough material left over for something called and exciting, or maybe just interesting, even in the theater. But I find that the idea is, if not odious, at least odious enough to keep me from selling the rights. There are many of his thoughts, of course, that could be labored into dialogue or into something, some, some sort of stream of consciousness, loudspeaker device, but labored is exactly the right word. What he thinks and does so naturally in his own solitude as the novel on the stage would be at best only pseudo simulated if there is such a word for it and i hope not not to mention god help us all the immeasurably risky business of using actors have you ever seen a child actress sitting cross-legged on a bed and looking right i'm sure not and holden caulfield himself in my undoubtedly super biased opinion is essentially unactable a sensitive intelligent talented young actor in a reversible coat wouldn't be nearly enough it would take someone with X to bring it off, and no very young man, even if he has X, quite knows what to do with it, and I might add, I don't think any director can tell him. I'll stop there. I'm afraid I can only tell you to end with that I feel very firm about all this, if you haven't already guessed. Thank you, though, for your friendly and highly readable letter. My mail from producers has mostly been hell. And that was penned by J.D. Salinger himself. So obviously he felt very strongly about The Catch and the Eye, which I totally get. I kind of understand. It's, it's hard to think. I think reading, sometimes when I read to, I try to picture kind of like uh, what it would be like as a movie. But this book in particular, for me at least, it was very hard to think about it in a cinematic scope kind of way. Uh, and I didn't stop Hollywood to, to try to, to make something out of it. In fact, uh, in the in Field of Dreams, uh, James Earl Jones' character, the cranky author, is based off of Salinger. They actually wanted to name the character Salinger, but, uh, of course, J.D. Salinger refused. There's also Rebel Without a Cause and Adventureland from 2009. Uh, both were inspired by Holden. You know, James Dean and Jesse Eisenberg played the, uh, just the apathetic, kind of just nonchalant young teenage guy just kind of going through life and has all these certain, I guess, theories about life, so to speak, for lack of a better word. Uh, there was also one of my favorites... There's a South Park episode where the boys write uh, the adventures of, I think it's Scrody McBoogerballs, uh, after reading the catch, because they read the catch in the rye and they're so excited, they're like, yeah, it's banned, we're going to do it, and then they're just like, this is this is stupid, this is a stupid book, this is a terrible book, I'm so sick of this, so they write their own pretty, they just write it for shock and awe, which is hilarious, it's, it's, it's a great episode. Uh, but one thing I do want to, one movie I do want to mention that's pretty closely related to the catch in the rye is Igby Goes Down, starring um, Kieran Culkin. Uh, very good movie. Uh, it, it's probably the closest thing to Catch in the Rye that's ever been made. So that's that's kind of that. Um, I mean, of course, it's still debated about in school how great, how great or how not great this book really is. Let us know what your thoughts are, uh, please. Uh, but now we're going to get ready. Uh, this is actually going to kind of fun. I'm excited for this. Uh, what I also did, too, to kind of fill in this episode is I was like, let me see what other people thought. Like, someone else has to not like Holden as much as I did, and I was completely correct on that. Not a lot of people like this book, unsurprisingly. Uh, so what I, I'm going to do is I got some one-star reviews from Amazon, 
and I'm going to read just a few of them. Uh, a couple of them are very, very long, so I'm only going to read sections. But so strap in. So this one is from Lauren, not our Lauren, just another Lauren. She says, I know it's a classic and all, but OMG, I hate it. I'm the type who can't finish, who can't not finish a book or movie, no matter how awful it is. I just have to finish it. But this book, it took me a good two years to get through it, simply because I couldn't stand it. I would read a chapter and then set it aside for months at a time. Finally, when we had some bad weather and I had nothing else to do, I sat and read the last third or so in one day just to get it over with. And oh, what sweet relief when I did finish it. And then it got put in the box of stuff to donate. <laughs> so pretty simple, pretty nice kind of. This one is, I read this book when I was about 14 or 15, and I just reread it at the age of 48, thinking I probably would get more from it now, than, now that I'm older. I didn't. I'm an educator, and I can't help but wonder why in the world this book is on so many recommended reading lists. There are scores of much better written and more worthwhile books. Try reading The Perks of Being a Wallflower, for instance. I can't help but wonder if Catcher was part of Salinger's journal at some point. It sure didn't take any stretch for him to create the plot, setting, or characters in this novel. Interesting take. Uh, maybe we also have a suggestion for a book to read. Uh, this one is one of the long ones. This person went into a huge, huge rant. It's literally like maybe like six paragraphs. Um, but he steps into Holden's shoes and writes the re- he writes the section of the review as Holden. And I thought it was hilarious. I'm going to read it for you guys. It goes... I can't believe all the goddamn phonies who say this is such a hot book and all. I really can't. I mean, what I mean is, it's just a book of random thoughts, for Christ's sake. The entire book takes place in like three or four days of my lousy life after finding out I'd been kicked out of yet one more fancy pants school my parents wanted me to go to. And what I did during those days, and the junk I thought about, seemed more like a million years than four days or so. It would depress the hell out of you if you read it. It really would, if you want to know the truth. I don't see the goddamn point. Literary people are just a bunch of phonies who think something is good and tell people it's good when it really isn't. They kill me. They really do. It's pretty accurate. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I, <laughs> as soon as I read that review, I was like, oh my god, that's really good. I, I kind of like that review. Uh, but yeah, those, those are pretty, that's pretty much it. That's all we're going to cover with The Catch in the Rye. Uh, very interesting book, to say the least. Uh, I am forever changed by it. I'm really not. I'm not forever changed. Uh, I hated that book. I hated Holden. But it was a good book, nonetheless. Um, so now... That that's it. We're, so we're done with Catching the Rye. If you guys have any more questions, comments, or or things you want to point out about it, please, you can still email us at notyourmomsbookclubpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on any of the social media sites. Uh, we'd really, 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 really appreciate it. Uh, our next book is A Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. It is kind of a, uh, it's a sci-fi story uh, just in this dystopian future. Uh, and it, it's it's really, really good. I have to warn you guys ahead of time. It's a very deep book. It's a thought scratcher towards the end. Uh, so if you haven't read it, just get ready for that. And if you have read it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Before we go, I do want to read just again. This is just to introduce you guys to kind of get ready for what is to come. Uh, this is written by uh, Nicholas, Nicholas Birdoff uh, about A Brave New World and, and kind of the, the tone in which it sets. He is a Russian philosopher, and he mostly focused on, like, the human spirit and kind of, like, the freedom uh, to think and why we think the way we do and and all that interesting, very complicated stuff. So this is what he had to say about Utopias, which is what A Brave New World addresses. Utopias appear to be much more achievable than once thought, and we are currently facing a much more agonizing question, how to avoid their final realization. Utopias are achievable, and perhaps a new century is beginning, a century when intellectuals and the cultivated class will find ways to avoid utopias and return to a non-utopian, less perfect and freer society.
So let me let that marinate with you guys, sit on it, think about it. Um, that is it for the In Between the Pages episode. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. Uh, again, uh, all the love and support that's come through uh, the last episode, I, I, I feel like we really enjoyed recording it, and it seemed like you guys liked listening to it. Uh, we thank you guys for that. Um, again, hit us up on all the social medias. We are on Facebook at Not Your Mom's Book Club Podcast. We are on Twitter at Not Your Mom's Book Club. On Instagram at Not Your Mom's Book Club Podcast. Hit us up, guys. Don't be afraid. Uh, we actually do have a review. I'm reading a lot today. I'm actually noticing this right now as we're recording. We actually have our first review on, on the episode, which was really, really cool to see. Uh, and I'm going to read it because this person left an epi- uh, a review and they deserve uh, a little bit of attention. This is from Samurai Zom. Um, said, five stars, so much fun. I really like this podcast. You can tell the hosts enjoy what they're doing. Their conversations are honest and hilarious. I can't wait to grow with these guys. Thank you so much, whoever left that. That means a lot. Yes, we can't wait to grow with you guys either. Uh, we are reaching good numbers slowly but surely, and we it's this is all just word of mouth from you guys. Thank you guys so much again. Remember, read Brave New World. We'll, we'll release that in the next two weeks. Stay classy out there, guys. Keep reading.